God, thank you that you won't delay. Uh, everything happens in your timing. Uh, you are sovereign. We rejoice in that. I pray that you would uh, speak through Michael. You would speak through your word. You would open our hearts, open our ears uh, just to receive it. In Jesus' name, amen. As we talk about the passage that um, Will read a little bit ago and about Simeon. Um, so I have a question for you, and I, and I do want you to answer. This isn't a rhetorical question. Um, it can be a, a silly answer or a serious answer. It can be profound. It can be simple. It doesn't matter. just want us to talk a little bit. What are you waiting for this morning? What are you waiting for? Kids, you're welcome to answer that question as well. The return of Christ. Good. What else are you waiting for? Christmas presents. <laughs> Someone's bound to say that this morning. Children to get saved. Okay. What else are we waiting for this morning? We're waiting to hear from our committee to what our future ministry might be. Okay. Future plans. Anybody else waiting for figuring out what God wants you to do? Missing that boat this morning? Yeah. What else are we waiting on this morning? Yes. There are several in our body that are waiting on um, God to heal us physically. Anything else that we're waiting on this morning? I'm from Texas. I'm already waiting on summer. <laughs> I would, would like for it to snow, but then after that, we're, and if it's not going to snow, it might as well not be 19, right? That's what I'm waiting on, some warmth. We're going to look at a, a character. We've been looking at several characters over the last three weeks. Look at one more this morning, Simeon. A man who also was waiting for something. And, and may the way that he waited encourage us as we wait. Whether it's something as fun and maybe as insignificant in the grand scheme of things as Christmas presents or something as as monumental as the return of Christ or as heartbreaking as seeing a loved one come to know Him or as frustrating as waiting for God to intervene in a situation that, that you want Him to intervene in. As we look at Simeon this morning, may he be an encouragement to us in how to wait. Because we're all waiting for something, whether we admit it or not, whether we agree to it or not. We're all waiting for something. The question is, how are we waiting? What's our attitude as we do that? Uh, Will read this morning, uh, beginning in verse 21 all the way through 35. Um, about six weeks after Jesus was born, if we go back and look at Leviticus, the laws of purification, they would have come to the temple to offer a sacrifice. And so this, so Jesus is roughly six weeks old at this point in time. And he shows up at the temple and this, this man 
who we don't know anything about where he came from and the Bible is silent about where he went after this. We don't know how old he is. We don't know anything about him other than these few verses. He was led by the Holy Spirit into the temple because God had told him, Stephen, you're not going to die until you've seen the Messiah. And he's led into the temple with this dedication and there's this baby. (laughs) And in, in that day and age, Messiah was one who would sit on David's throne, king, and Simeon comes in and there's a baby. It's interesting in verse 25, it says that he was looking for the consolation of Israel. That word looking for can mean longing for, waiting for, and almost exclusively in the New Testament that word is used for waiting for the coming kingdom. Like Wes talked about, waiting for the return for Jews, the return of the the coming of the Messiah. And he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. That word consolation is related to the word that, that John uses in his gospel for comforter, word you're familiar with, paraclete, the Holy Spirit. And in Jewish circles, they talked about that word as a synonym for the Messiah. Simeon, too, was waiting for when the Messiah would would come, the consolation, the comfort of his nation, one who would lead his people out of bondage. But in in that day and age, in that culture, most folks thought, oh, that's bondage from Rome. Return to a nation, independent, self-governing, being led by a righteous king in the ways of God. So Simeon was waiting for that day when all would be set right. But what's interesting is he was also waiting for his own death. Again, we don't know how old he was, but God said, you're not going to die until you've seen the Messiah. And so for Simeon, those two events, it seems, are wrapped up together. My death and the consolation of my nation. The end of me, the beginning of something better. What's interesting is is that we probably should adopt that same attitude as we think about our relationship with God. Is it possible... For us to come to God without thinking about our own death? I don't mean physically, but I mean, as we come to God, do you realize that God calls us to die? To die to self. To die to our own ambitions. To die to our own desires. To die to what makes us up. And say, God, this this is yours. His death was bound up in deliverance. Our death 
should be bound up in deliverance as well. So how did he wait? As he was waiting for these two events, his own passing and the coming of the Messiah, we read in verse 25, there was a man named Simeon and this man was righteous and devout. Now the word for devout is God-fearing. So let me talk again. Talk again. What are some ways that we wait that we might think are, or that others might think are not righteous? What are some ways that we wait that don't show a righteousness? If you don't want to confess, you can think about looking at someone else and how they wait unrighteously. <laughs> Complaining. Yeah, we wait. It's not here yet, so I'm going to issue a complaint. How else do we wait? Worry. Frustrated. Bitterness. Bitterness, yes. Any other words come to mind? Doubting. Yes, demanding. Angry. Why are those emotions and attitudes and actions come out when we wait? Why is that? <laughs> the overflow of our heart. We're not resting. We're not resting. Let's flesh that out a little bit. Because Simeon says Simeon was righteous and God fearing. My guess is that those two words go together. That because he was God fearing, I don't want to get off on a tangent of, of that word fear. Let's Let's, for the sake of argument this morning, talk about um, him being simply in awe of God. Why would that lead to him being able to wait righteously? And I think it's related to what you said. Okay. Yeah, think about those words we talked about. Anger, bitterness, worry, doubt. Or if they said impatience or not, I'm really good at impatience when I'm waiting. Um, those are, they're, they are, they're me-centered. And Simeon, it seems, from what little we know, was God-centered. And so as we individually as families, as a body, as we wait. Can we encourage one another as we wait to be God-focused, to be God-fearing, to marvel at what He has done? And maybe more importantly, we're going to see in a second, can we 
encourage one another to take God at His word. Because He didn't just wait. He showed up, and then all of a sudden the waiting was over. And sometimes that's hard too. We've been looking forward to something for so long, and then it happens, and then there's this, there's this letdown. Uh, we're going to have company next week. Dana's sister and her family are going to come in, and that's going to be a lot of fun. We really enjoy them. The kids enjoy their cousins. It's going to be great. And then on January 2nd or 3rd, they're going to leave. And what inevitably happens is that there's this, the fun ends, and i got to go back to life. <laughs> and what are we going to do? And there's all of a sudden this, this void of activity and excitement and fun. And sometimes you hear the, the B word, I'm bored. And, and we look at each other and go, I get to stay with you all the time. Now, <laughs> now what, right? When what we've been waiting for is over, sometimes there's this letdown. And I think we can take a clue from what Simeon did when he walked in and God pointed out the Messiah. So he waited, but he also proclaimed truth. Notice what he says in verse 30, For my eyes have seen your salvation. Really? Had the Romans gone away? And even if Simeon did know something that most of his compatriots didn't know, even if he did recognize that there was a spiritual component here, had he experienced salvation? Had he experienced salvation? My eyes have seen it, he says. But had he experienced it? What is salvation? You can talk to me again. What is salvation? Being restored. Good. Yes, being restored. What else? How else do we describe it? Being rescued. Yes. Taking God at His word and believing on it. Yes. Reconciliation. Yes. For Simeon, what was salvation? A person. A person. Again, had he experienced reconciliation? No. Had he experienced restoration? No. Had he experienced, I don't remember what other words that we threw out, had he experienced any of those things yet? But he had come face to face with the promise that had been given. And he yeah. recognized the fulfillment of that promise. Even though it didn't look like what I would bet 99% of the people in that country and probably even Simeon thought it would look like, but when God said, this is it, Simeon said, he is it. 
And I think we've got to grasp that this morning. We've got to grasp that salvation is a, a person. It's not a creed, though I feel very strongly that creeds are important. It's not a set of rules, though I think Christians do live by the rule of, of love. Salvation is, is not the church, though certainly the church helps us understand and experience and live out that salvation. Salvation's a person. We only experience it as we come face to face with Christ and believe even if we don't feel like we're experiencing anything that when God said, I'm sending my son to die for you, when we believe that even though we have not yet experienced full Salvation in the fullest sense, that day when, when all will be made right, that like Simeon, we confidently say, I have seen salvation. That's the, that's the measure of faith. It's when even though we've not experienced fully all the promises that we find in here, we still open our mouths and, and express confidence that we have seen salvation. He proclaims other things as well. He says in verse 32, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. I wonder how many people standing around who were listening to him in the temple when he says a light of revelation to the Gentiles kind of took a step back and turned their head a little bit. That's not the, especially at that time, very biblical, Isaiah 60, I think is what Simeon's alluding to in those two verses, in the first three verses. But in that day and age, Israel had become a very closed arrogant, self-centered nation. More than once when Jesus brought up the idea of Gentiles, He was not treated very well because of that. And here Simeon begins by saying, a light of revelation to the Gentiles. It should cause us to pause as we think about our proclamation. Do we hold back from a certain kind of person? A certain class of person, a certain race of person, a certain way a person dresses or acts or looks? Are we exclusive in our proclamation of truth? Because the truth is, Christ came as a light of revelation to the Gentiles, to the whole world. Certainly the nation of Israel. God was going to keep His promises to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and the rest of those descendants through Moses, through David, through the prophets. 
He did not and would not and will not leave his people, but he, through Christ, made, as Paul says in Ephesians, one new man, Jew and Gentile, one new body, the church. And the question is, in our proclamation, do we leave people out? Simeon, his proclamation, as he proclaimed the truth, wasn't going to leave anyone out. When he says in verse 33, in the glory of your people Israel, as we've talked before in here on, on more than one occasion, I, I believe, that idea of glory, when glory first appears in the Bible, Exodus 15 or 16, it is wrapped up in God's provision for the nation. When he told Moses, in the morning you will see my glory. What happened that next morning was manna fell from heaven. There weren't fireworks. They'd seen the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire already. That had happened. He said, in the morning you will see my glory. And the next morning, manna fell from heaven, and they walked out and said, What is it? Glory? But it was their sustenance and provision for the next 40 years. And by no accident, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. And he came in a place called Bethlehem, the house of bread. God's glory is His provision for His people of what they need when they need it. And what we need, what we've always needed, is sustenance for our soul, the restoration, the redemption that we talked about. And so there in the temple, this six-week-old baby was the glory of Israel. No fireworks. God didn't descend like He did in Isaiah and come in and smoke filled the temple and the threshold shook. An angel showed up. It was just a baby. A baby of poor parents who had come to do what the law required. And in that act, Simeon says, this is the glory of Israel. Simple. Simple. Like manna. And maybe there were some folks in the background who said, what is that? Who is that? Just a baby to some poor parents. Not recognizing the irony that they were following in the tradition of their forefathers who walked out of their tents that morning and said, what is it? We don't get it. Why is this glory? And then if we back up to verse 29, we see that what overrided Simeon's whole thought process was just trust and satisfaction in God. He says, Now, Lord, you are releasing your bondservant to depart in peace. 
Simeon didn't come in and say, okay, I've seen it. Now, how can I be a part of what's going on? I've got some ideas. Let me help you figure this out. God, would you give me more words to say? It was simply, now may your servant depart in peace. I'm satisfied, God, in what I have seen, even though it doesn't look like what I thought it might have looked like. I trust you, God, that your word is sufficient. I trust you, God, that even though this doesn't look like what I thought it was going to look like, I'm satisfied. And I can depart in peace. So as we think about Tuesday and whatever that celebration looks like in your family and with your friends, the question is not will that satisfy you? Not will presents or food or football or family, no matter how wonderful those things are, question is, will you have peace because of what God has done? Will you have peace because you know Him? Because of a person? Because of Jesus? That's the question that we've got to wrestle with. Not only this morning, not only on the morning of the 25th, but probably especially the next day. And the week after that, for you kids, when school starts again, that's when you're going to have to wrestle with, is God enough? When bills come due, when life starts happening again, when we face disappointment, when we find ourselves still waiting, still waiting for the return of Christ, Still waiting for health to improve. Still waiting for that thing I didn't get at Christmas. As we wait, will we have peace because we know the Prince of Peace? My challenge, my encouragement to you is that you wrestle with that. When you find yourself feeling anxious, impatient, bitter, demanding, Complaining. Will you allow the Holy Spirit to work in your life? To calm you? And will you take time in the midst of whatever emotion is welling up in you to say, okay, I need to refocus. I need to get rid of self and be God-fearing, God-focused in awe of what He's done over the next day or week, when that happens, when you feel those emotions, will you sit down with this book and open it up and look at some of His promises and read how He has fulfilled those promises already? And will you submit yourself to Him and and simply say, God, I'm sorry, I've allowed what's important to me to overcome what's important to you. Will you help me, God, to be at peace? Would you pray with me, please? 
Father, we, we rejoice in your goodness to us. Because God, you have allowed us into your presence through the blood of your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, when we are unworthy to come into your presence. So God, we give you glory and praise and honor for that fact alone, but, but you didn't stop there. You gave us your Holy Spirit to encourage us and challenge us to help us live the life you've called us to live. And God, I pray as we leave this room today, this gathering of believers, that you would, through your Spirit, live your life through us. That others might see you in us. And that we might have an opportunity as Simeon to proclaim your goodness and your truth. That from the beginning you have been pursuing your people. You have made promises that you have kept despite the fact that we have turned astray. Despite the fact that, that we have not been faithful. Despite the fact that your people through history have not been faithful. You have been faithful. Help us to proclaim that good news, not only in words, but in our actions. As we wait patiently. As we wait righteously. As we wait without complaint, without bitterness, and without anger. As we wait without demanding our own way. But God, I also know that there are many, many people sitting here and, and others who are not here this morning who are waiting because life is difficult and it's hard and it's frustrating and it seems unfair. So God, I pray for your spirit to intervene. God, we do ask for, for healing. We ask for comfort. We ask for peace for those who, who need it. But we also ask that your spirit would allow us to persevere. Sometimes, God, you call us into situations that we don't like. That you may glorify yourself through our actions. And so, God, I pray that you would strengthen us to persevere through those hard times. As individuals and as a body. And, God, I pray that you would help us as a body to be an encouragement to one another. To do that. Father, we so look forward to the celebration of the birth of your Son. But God, we also look forward to His coming again when He will set all things right. Help us, Father, to wait righteously and in a deep dependence upon You. We ask these things in the Son of Your precious, precious Son. Amen.